You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Sobe here. Excited to be joined by a recent alum, 2018 LC fellow. Will Woldenberg is here. Excited to catch up with him. Here he's up to. Let's get to it. So, well, usually when we have folks on who have kids or about to have kids, we usually ask them what their plan will be to make sure that they have progressive kids and raise them in a progressive way. What's your What's your plan since it sounds like you have one on the way here pretty soon? We're going to start with plenty of sleep <laughs> because if, uh, if I don't have my mind right, then I can't actually teach my child right. Um, no, I, I think that the best way to do it is to treat him as an adult fairly early on. And so I want that. I really want to end up having my girl be active in politics from an early age and to give her an idea of what's right and wrong um, in the moral sense, in the political sense, um, so that by the time she's starting to make her own decisions for herself, she has that moral backbone that uh, the parents will have uh, tried to inculcate in her. And then do you see any ways besides modeling that behavior? Like, will you read certain books or go to certain events or put the kid in certain kind of clubs or activities? What kind of things do you see happening once uh, she's old old enough to engage with those kind of things? Well, I grew up Jewish and I was taught by my parents from a very early age. I was going to have a bar mitzvah. And so I needed to know how to read the Torah and stand up on the Bema and, you know, say stuff in a language that I didn't understand um, out to everyone. And by the time I was done with that, I kind of had a spiritual crisis to start thinking like, am I really Jewish? Do I really believe in a lot of what I've what I had been taught and my parents gave me the freedom and the flexibility to then learn the other religions and decide for myself what was the best value set for me. So even though I want to give my child the, the framework that she can use to, um, to go through her life, I still want her to have the freedom to be able to select it on her own. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to end up having her listen to certain podcasts or watch certain TV shows. Um, but she'll just take some of the values that her parents are going to pass along from her. I think that's really the best way to give her the freedom to choose for herself. Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, I'm glad you're on because, uh, you know, in reading some of your, your background, a lot of things stood out to me that don't necessarily pop in a lot of the bios I read of NLC alums. Um, you're a military veteran. Some of the work you're doing is around electric and gas distribution company. There's more of a business feel to it. Um, yeah, explain a little bit how all these sort of worlds kind of came together in the company that you started. Yeah, so I started, um, I was getting my MBA after I got out of, um, I had a deployment to Iraq in 2010. I was going to, to business school to, to really decide what I wanted to do with my life when I grew up. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to go into consulting at, at an early stage. I want, I, I'm very good at sitting with people and helping them with their problems, uh, providing them guidance and a plan to their operations. So at, at first, I thought that I could be industry agnostic and really go into any sort of, of field that um, I had an interest in. And then after a while of, of working with some electric and gas companies and some telecom groups, I realized that I didn't want to take on projects that I didn't also have a personal connection to and one that met my, my individual value set. So um, around that time, I realized that I need to leave the, uh, the firm that I had been working because they no longer match my personal values. And I needed to start a company that not only reflected my own, but ones that I thought were very important for society at the time. So I really began the company with a mission statement that um, not only NLC, but also Truman ended up helping me um, uh, really flesh out. And that was to empower people, organizations, and communities of integrity to create a more balanced and stable society. And 
as I say that now, it sounds like there's a lot of consultants speak in there. But the truth is, it means that we can work with individuals. We can work with organizations, for-profit companies and nonprofit companies. But if they're if they're in state, if the projects that they're taking on really want to uh, move forward are ones that I think will better improve the community, ones that will improve the environment, ones that will make us a more safe and stable society, then those are the projects that excite me and the ones that I want to work with. That makes sense. And then do clients find you at this point? You find them? What What's the way that all those things come together? That's the hardest part of this game, right? <laughs> you always have to be looking. Um, so, you know, myself and, and my business partner spend a lot of time on business development. Um, when we're not engaged with clients, that's our primary focus. And uh, the other thing that I'm, I'm focusing on on the side is trying to finish a book that I've been writing for, for a number of years. Between those three activities, that's really the majority of your work week, just managing the internal functions of the company. Um, but, you know, at this point, we, we end up sending out for a lot of proposals. We have to um, um, also go through uh, and dig through and find what's available. So it's really a lot of hard work to end up finding clients. But that's that's the primary focus that we have. And then in all these different worlds you've been in, whether it was when you were serving overseas or in the consulting world or in the more traditional business aspects when you're doing consulting, when did you feel like being a progressive stood out the most or, or when did you encounter the most progressives or maybe put the question in the reverse? When did you feel like you kind of stood out the most because you had progressive views on things? Well, actually I can tell you the time that it was, <laughs> um, it was really relevant for me. I, I was still a cadet in ROTC. And so ROTC is the, is if you went to college, you saw some people that would walk around in uniforms and they had pretend rank on. That means that you're getting ready to be an officer in either the army or the Navy. And uh, every army officer, uh, every, I'm sorry, army ROTC cadet has to go to a training course before their senior year. And uh, in, in my case, it was over at Fort Lewis and they evaluate all of the cadets at once. And they used to give um, all the cadets an opportunity to go to church on Sunday. Well, I wanted to go to temple um, and, you know, I wanted the opportunity to be able to go. And, and our cadre had mentioned to us that they would accommodate that request if I made it. Um, but I remember making that request on an evening that we were working on our uh, medical readiness, so learning how to apply a tourniquet and a few other necessary medical tasks. And there was a, a non-commissioned officer, and you know, kind of a crusty sergeant that was going to drive me over to the temple, and the closest one was about 40 minutes away. And uh, I remember as I was walking over to the van, he said to somebody else, I can't believe I have to drive this Jew off post. And um, that made me realize that I was operating uh, not not only in a different world for me, but that not everyone was going to share the same values that I had grown up with and the value set that I was going to have. So it opened my mind to an idea that some of these some of these people were going to end up being my soldiers. We weren't going to agree in politics or in the way that we treated one another, um, but that we were all going to end up having the same mission, and that I couldn't necessarily rally people behind a value set, I needed to rally them around a mission that we need to complete. And then have you kept tabs on some of the veterans that are running in the 2018 midterms? I feel like that's been a talked about experience that is supposedly coming and there's going to be a, a wave of folks. I think you're seeing a little bit this year, but it's still kind of hard to tell if it's a going to be a consistent theme. But yeah, do you, do you track and, and see political parties or what kind of leanings politically people have when they come out of the service and then want to run for office? 
I have. Um, I've been closely keeping an eye on the grass campaign over in Kentucky. Uh, Andy Kennedy was not a veteran, but is over in our backyard. Uh, he's over in New Jersey, uh, but he's a CIA, former CIA. Uh, is also running fairly close by. You know, Seth Moulton's organization has has really tried to make sure that you have a nonpartisan uh, group of veterans that are trying to enter into the House. Um, I, I think it is a um, uh, acceptable standard now that veterans will try to work together to get things done. But there are some veterans in Congress that still will end up focusing on the politics of it. You know, one person I think of is, is Tom Cotton, who really has allowed his <laughs> um, personal politics to outweigh the um, the inevitability that veterans have of wanting to work together. Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, when we come back, I want to ask a little bit more about this this book and talk about a few other things. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, so give us a scoop. What's the book going to be about once it's finished? So I was an English and history um, major when I was in college and minored in creative writing. And it's been something that I've been working on off and on for a number of years, but I just never necessarily had the confidence in my own writing to try and start getting published. Um, I'm, you know, about 350 pages in into, into what is a work of fiction. I need to get to the point where I can edit it down. Uh, my goal is to end up having a draft finished by the end of next year and uh, begin the editing process and start looking for an editor. Uh, and a publisher in 2019 or 20. But, you know, with the young one on the way, that always takes a backseat to uh, to making sure my daughter is being raised. And was the hardest part just getting started and getting the first page done, or were there other more challenging aspects once you got rolling? Writing. <laughs> the hardest part is always okay. the, the craft of writing. And it's sitting down with something in front of you, learning how you write best. So, for example, I've learned that I can't write on a laptop. Um, I can't write when there's internet access. I can't write if there's a screen in the room. I need to sit myself down with a notepad and just let it flow out, uh, even if it's not connected to something else that I've previously written. And then I can determine afterwards when I'm going back to some of my previous writings, if it fits within the narrative, it's a, if it's something that I can end up shaping, and I'll start typing it into the overall story that I have. Um, but I, I'm not the sort of person that can actually sit there with a word processor blinking on the screen and start pumping something out because they'll end up inevitably going to ESPN.com or 538. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And then once you have the book finished and you're going to reach out to publishers, I'm always curious, how does the process work from there? Do you shop it around? Do they, uh, or do you find one person that then kind of gets you through the whole process? How does, how does the kind of end part work? So you have to do a sales job in many cases. You have to send the prospectus out. Um, you have to find the editors that you want to potentially work with and send them cold co uh, copies of your work. Um, in, in many cases with fiction, you have to have a completed work that you can end up sending over a complete manuscript. Um, and it works similarly to cold sales. You know, you might end up reaching out to 100 different uh, prospective uh, publishers and never hear back from any of them. Um, so it, it can't, if you talk to anybody that has been published before, they'll tell you that this can be the brutal part. But if you have a good editor, someone that uh, really believes in the project that you're working on, then they can end up helping. And then last thing, give me the scoop on what the progressive scene is like in Philly and what's going on with the NLC crew there. What kind of things did you see in the fellowship class that really stood out to you? I think you have a really proactive group that's starting to make their presence known in Philadelphia. There's always been an undercurrent of progressive politics um, from the communities that have gotten together so that there's 
uh, a group that has been very involved in city politics for a long time, um, but they haven't necessarily made it outside of those boundaries into the suburbs. And what we're seeing right now is that young people are willing to not just volunteer to be involved in door knocking in the city, but they're really trying to go to the collar counties and knock on doors for not only the House candidates, uh, but also for state house and state Senate races. There's a lot of enthusiasm among young people that are in the city to try and make sure that the blue wave starts in Pennsylvania and starts to move its way down. Um, and I've been really impressed to see how many people are actually walking around in the streets with the literature and trying to make sure that we end up having a blue state again. Yeah, that's good. We'll definitely keep it up over there. We're trying to keep it up over here. Today is the last day to register for California. And if your state has one of those similar deadlines, make sure you know it. Make sure you get out and vote as early and as often as possible. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can find all past episodes, and there's a lot, over 100. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the good spots. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Until then, take care.